Everyone, welcome to Manufacturing Hub Live at Automate 2023. If you guys have somehow managed to miss the signs, we are in the Siemens booth and we'll be in the Siemens booth all day. So come over here and check us out. Very excited to be here. Very excited to continue to have all of these great conversations continuing on the efficient engineering theme. Again, thank you to Siemens for sponsoring this. Today, we've got a very special guest, Bern Bergner, whose name I said so many times, I'm fairly confident I did not offend you. Burns, we normally don't get to shake hands in person. Welcome to the show. Welcome, thank you. Thank Absolutely. you so much for joining thank us you. today, Bern. Really yeah. appreciate your time. Before we dive into what Siemens is doing in the automation industry, I wanted to get a little bit more of your background. How did you get started in manufacturing automation and then ultimately walk us through your career? Okay, yeah, my career. I guess the half of my life I'm working in automation, not only for Siemens, but also for other companies, Yeah, but mainly working in automation. So I started my career at Siemens in the education, okay. and I started programming Sematic with the PG-670 okay. Okay. and the S5. That was my starting yep. with, with Sematic and with the automation. And later on, I moved to other companies to work for automotive suppliers in the automation area, in the special, special machine builders department to learn yeah, how a machine is working. Because in the yeah. education, we were just learning programming. But the important is to learn how the machine is working to program the right things. Absolutely. And afterwards, I thought, okay, let's go to an automation vendor. Yep. It's also in, in, in the area of Nuremberg, I went to the automation vendor. Okay. And there I was, I guess, five years there. And afterwards, I, I thought now it's a good time to come back to Siemens, to, to factory automation and working for somatic stuff again. And, yeah. If I can ask you to elaborate a little bit on the transitions, because I know a lot of engineers and maybe those who are in like middle management are looking also outside of their current role. And whether it's at an end user, at a systems integrator, at a machine builder, like what is your perspective on going maybe outside on the and getting that external perspective before going back to an OEM? Like what, I know you've mentioned that it was a purposeful decision to learn on your part. But yeah. What is there maybe even advice for those who are looking yeah. to make this career moves? Yeah, for the career, I guess it's important to understand what what's how a machine is working because if you just program your code. And always, it is a machine behind. It's not just software, it's always a machine behind. Absolutely. And so that, that's all, this experience was very grateful for me okay. to learn how machines working. So advice could be yet learn automation at a OEM for itself. So I guess that's very important. And then you said you came back to Siemens to back to your automation. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit more what it is that you do today? What is your position and what are you maybe covering within Siemens? Since I came back to Siemens, I always working in the factory automation area with yep. different roles. Yep. Beginning was, I was a consultant in pre-sales yep. support for Sematic yep. and starting with S7300, 400 stuff and all the totally integrated feature what we had or have with the S7 300 and 400. Yeah. So it was before we introduced tier portal, we have tier features. And I'm starting with this, learn how the things in the machine work together. The yeah. PLC together with the HMI, with yeah. the drive and so on. And for me, it was 
uh, important step to bring all this stuff together in a portal, in a common framework, in the tier portal. That was a very big step for me. Yeah. Good afternoon, UI. So I want to dig a little bit more into that, but before, so Bern, we are here in the United States and the vast majority of our listeners are from North America. Okay. And so many of them are using non-Siemens hardware. Okay. They're using other vendors. Can you maybe help set the landscape of what automation looks like in Germany and in Europe for folks who are not familiar with how large of a role Siemens plays? Okay, the whole Siemens portfolio, do you mean this? What, what so on, on the factory automation side, yeah. from everyone that I was talking to when I was over in Hanover, Siemens had the biggest booth, right? Yeah. Everyone was in Siemens talking about a variety of different Siemens things. Everyone is using Siemens controllers. There is the VPL, the virtual PLC, the virtual S7-1500, which was huge news, yeah. especially there because almost everyone is using Siemens. And is, was that your experience working within Siemens factory automation and then as an integrator and with a variety of end users, was everyone using all of the Siemens portfolio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have for every industry, we have the right products. Yes. So controllers, HMIs, yes. drives, and all the other stuff around. What you need, RFID, scanner, whatever. Everything what you need for your plan yep. is within our portfolio. Absolutely. Therefore, we have the biggest booth because we have everything what you need for your machine or for your line. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I will be honest, Bernd, every once in a while I come across a product that Siemens doesn't have and I'm talking to John or I'm talking okay. to Lewis and I'm like, oh my goodness, we finally found a product that Siemens didn't make. Yeah. But, but it seems like Siemens has a solution for all, basically everything I have ever gone looking for. And the more conversations we have on the Siemens side, the more interesting, as I would say, like the depth and breadth of the portfolio is. Yeah. And then I go and, and I look online and it's like Siemens has, has solutions for seemingly everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Okay. Fern, I do have a question for you. I know you've mentioned that when you came back from Siemens, you, when you came back to Siemens, you was yeah. in a pre-sales engineering role. Yeah. And I think that is maybe a slightly less understood position, especially I've been more on the systems integration side. Yeah. And I know that a lot of the listeners are either working at an end user or an OEM. I wanted to expand a little bit more on that. And I guess my initial impressions of pre-sales, you do a lot of the architecture and you work with the client to understand their needs and specify maybe at a higher level the architecture for the solution and then you hand it off like an engineering department, so I want to understand a little bit better maybe what pre-sales engineering does. Okay, so yeah, that was more on, on consultant to to create concepts with the together with the customer. So the customer is planning a line plan, and he doesn't know how exactly should they do this. For example, for network issues, yep. which routers do you need? Which which management systems do you need? And so on, and in that my role we we support the customer to find the right solution so that was but then the implementation and the engineering was done by the customer itself not by us so we just support him 
as a consulting. And I know that Siemens has a lot of products to help in that space as well. I know that we will have more conversations with the simulation experts and maybe those who are laying that out for the manufacturers, but ultimately, I'm assuming you're very familiar with how those tools work and you would country. Like, I just want to understand the process a little bit better. Yeah. So when you talk to the customer, you're trying to obviously map out maybe their current state of the factory. You're trying to understand some of the bottlenecks or the issues that they're facing with the business. And then you're trying to ultimately create a plan for a couple of years, usually, in order to build out the architecture that they would need to support either like a growing business or the current needs. Like, I'm curious to understand maybe that interaction and that process a little bit. Okay. So often that the customer has a plan to do this. Not exactly. Okay. So he know, okay, he needs some network stuff. He needs some profanet stuff and so on, yep. but not exactly. And then they have a draft of, of the architecture mm -hmm. and we go through with the customer yep. through his architecture and said, okay, that on that point, we should make it differently or use this device or this product. So we help him to find the right architecture. So we are not completely create the architecture for him, just support and that they will not fall into some gaps or whatever. If I may like follow up very quickly before I let the Dave continue. How I want to say, I'm curious like how much of a like R&D process that is versus you already know all the solutions and you can just come in and propose the exact details. I'm curious once again, like maybe what are the the questions that the customers have during that process, maybe what are some of the challenges that you've seen while like implementing this? So I'm just very curious, you know, about the, your conversations in those okay. projects. So we have a lot of products doing similar, the same thing. And it was very hard to distinguish for the customer to put the right product for, for this purpose. Yep. Okay. And that was often the discussion. The customer said, okay, I guess I should use this device. And we said, no, that not, will not fit to your requirement. Please use the other one. Okay. And configure it in that way. And then this device will work as you expected. So interesting. So there's a bit of a trial and like understanding a bit better, assuming maybe like changing the original requirements the customer had. Yeah. On the technical pre-sale side, they have to be knowledgeable about the difference between products, right? Mm -hmm. So they have to know the difference between uh, an S7 1200 and a 1500 and all the different networking and other switches that they have because if, well, not Vlad. Vlad would know exactly what he wants. Okay. And if I were to come and say, hey, Burned, I need, we'll just say a networking switch here, yeah. but there are six options and all of these options look really similar, that would be technical pre-sales. You would help go figure out which of these six options that you need? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I did some of that work. I called it more like applications engineering. It's similar-ish, right? It's similar. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's yes. similar. So I did some of that work and the people who commit to being those technical resources for their career are absolutely amazing because the depth of their knowledge, especially within that stack, I am worried that at some point we will lose a lot of that knowledge as those people go and retire because we do not have, as I would say, the next generation of people willing to commit to that technical vertical for the next 20 years. Yeah. Yes. If I can follow up with a question, going into the manufacturing in general, right? So we've had a couple of discussions. We certainly cannot release a lot of that information, but I think that for a new talk to a lot of end users and you notice there's changes in the way we do manufacturing. We hear about digital transformation. We hear about Industry 4.0. We've had some, I think, like chats of Industry 5.0 in this conference okay. as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are you seeing? What kind of shifts are you seeing customers go through? And maybe what kind of challenges 
challenges also they're, how to say, like hungry to solve, right? That they don't necessarily have all the answers, but they come to Siemens or other vendors to outsell. Okay, so I'm personally hungry to, to the fact of IT-OT convergency. Okay. Because in, in, in many customer talks where the OT guys and the IT guys were in the room from the customer, see a border in between. Yep. And that will not help the customer and that will not Agreed. help us. And that's about mindset. Bring mindset together that mm -hmm. the OT guys need IT and the IT guys need the OT and have to understand the OT, OT world. And we, as a vendor of this stuff, we have to help the customer that they can bring the worlds of IT and OT together. So that's for me, it's very important. I'm very hungry to do this because, so I'm an OT guy. Yes. Yep. 100%. And I often th thought, okay, the IT stuff, yeah, it sounds good, it looks good, but I was not able to understand it in the past. But right now, if I'm older and older and have more experience, <laughs> more customer talk, I understand, okay, it's so important to bring stuff together. Yes. I give you an example. So, for example, you program your machine with Lala Logic in the tier portal, for example, and now you would do it when you have to program some standardized library blocks. And, and normally you should test it before you bring it into the machine. Yep. And that's for me and hint to a CI-CD pipeline. To bring this library blocks in the CD pipeline, and that's IT stuff. We have to bring our code into Git mm -hmm. to run this. And I guess that, that's why I plan, or that's why I'm hungry about this, to, to solve this. I, I like that a lot. I would agree that I understand the IT stuff to respect what they do, yeah. but my favorite part about the ITOT convergence conversation yeah. burned is the fact that I can go ask really important questions to people who know the IT and technical and networking questions on their side, and then I don't have to attempt to go learn it myself. Okay. So for me, that is the benefit. For many of the implementations I have done, the best ones have the IT team and the OT team, and we are all aligned, right? Yeah. We understand that we have the OT side and that we have to go take this data and we'll go high level. We have to take this data. We have to network the solution together. It's gonna, some of it is gonna live on the edge in servers at the facility, but we generally need the IT team to help us with a lot of that networking. And then some of it will go to the cloud so we can leverage cloud solutions and then hopefully we bring connectivity back to the plant floor so we can leverage a bunch of, the, of these new solutions, right? And so as I talk to people about ITOG convergence, I talk about it as for companies that will succeed into the future, ITOT convergence is a foregone solution. And what I mean by that is that the companies who will continue to grow and will become smart manufacturing industry 4.0 leaders will, if they already have not, will figure out that ITOT convergence. Otherwise, they will struggle to continue as manufacturing companies in the future. Okay, but, but for me, that's just one fact yeah? of ITOT convergence. That's bring the PLC into the IT, to mm -hmm. the cloud, whatever. But for me also, IT-OT convergence is in the mindset of developer and using tools, using IT tools in the OT world. Yes. So that's also 
a little bit different to bring just the OT stuff into cloud or yep. into IT world. So I have the, for me, there's are two different things of IT OT convergence. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you a question yep. on the agile, on the CI/CD, on kind of those sort of concepts. Yep. Are you, as groups that you are talking to as Siemens, are you seeing lots of adoption of yes. those concepts? Okay. Yes, a lot of. Good. Yeah. Most of the people that Vlad and I talk to fall into the buckets of, as I would say, they are going down that path. That is how, where everyone knows the future lies, or they are very happy doing exactly what they've done for the last 40 years. They are going to continue to do it. And there is very little, as I would say, middle ground, right? Yeah. There's the camp of this is the future. There's the camp of this is how we've always done it. And there are very few people who are like putting their toes in the water, like trying it out to see if it's good. Yeah. So I think that th this is interesting. That's interesting. And we should not change everything. We yes. should build each step on the previous. Yes. So I was asking, and maybe like we can rope in a bunch of like different groups into this as well. So we were talking OEMs, we were talking end users, we were yep. talking systems integrators, and I know they all they are all part of this kind of like digital transformation journey. I'm wondering like if you have a perspective of what role each one like plays ultimately in solving, I want to say, the end users challenges when it comes to data, when it comes to some of these applications that they might not always have full visibility on, yep. but need to solve the business challenges. Yeah, I guess for me, the key is that the OEM will support such kind of contextualized yeah. data. They yeah. have to, because the system integrator, so they can only use what is existing in the data of the machine. And in the end, end customer have to require it from the OEM that they should support. They make the, yeah, at the end, the commissioning for the system integrator much easier if they support contextualized and standardized data. So yep. for example, OPCOA is just one example of this to make standardized and contextualized data of a machine. And MR was working also for a department at Siemens that was more in the process automation. Yep. And brings, or I started some product initiatives on the topic of module type package. Okay. Yes. MCP is a standard of machines, or not machine, package units, kits, in the process automation to make the life easier for system integrators. Yep. And we have a lot of talks with end customer, they have to require it, and also a lot of talks with OEMs. And at the beginning of the talk, the OEM wasn't sure if this is the right way, because if the data are clear at the machine, it yes. could be they lose some know-how. Okay. But at least they understand the benefits to do this because the pressure from the end customer in that industry is very high to have this. I would definitely do. And so I, I, MTP is the concept of, we can take a Siemens part or perhaps a, a number of other parts, and if we have something else on stock and it's all within the same MTP, we can go ahead and replace those without causing other major issues. Is that, am I understanding the concept of MTP correctly? So the concept of what the type package MTPs, yeah. or in the past, in, in, in the process automation yes. world, you have to decide to one vendor from, yes. from the DCS system up to the controllers, up to the package unit. Everything should become from one vendor. Yes. And there's not so flexible for the end customer. They cannot decide, I put the, that machine from that vendor because they support not 
my DSS system, for example. Yep. And with MTP, you could make modular machines with different automation vendors within, and they have to support the MTP standard description. Yes. And you also can use a DCS system what you want. Mm -hmm. And the DCS system will orchestrate with the help of MTP all the package units underneath. And also the recipe handling, because in process automation you always have recipes, yes. Yes. services. And that will also be organized or orchestrated by yep. the DCS system. So that's based on this standard. It's not a standard from Siemens, it's an no. official standard. And every vendor could support the standard. Yep. So just Siemens is not the only one they support MKP. Yes. So it's similar to PacML, is that kind of like Yeah, it's analogous? similar. That's similar. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. But just for other industries, pharmaceutical, yep. but also for food and beverage. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I wanted to shift gears just a little bit. So I know that one of the problems that we see with end users currently, at least in North America to my knowledge, is the lack of, I want to say, technical experts that can come in and implement some of these solutions. Yeah. And I know that ultimately the vision is to simplify what it takes to integrate, what it takes to automate, what it takes to ultimately deploy a lot of these applications. I'm curious if you have a perspective as I guess we as an industry, what can we do to maybe empower engineers or bring more like talent maybe from traditional like software industries in order to help grow manufacturing? I think, again, based on the shifts that we've discussed, I think we do need more manpower from computer science majors, software engineering majors, people who truly understand the IT side, but also maybe learn the OT aspects a little bit to help in this sort of transition. Okay, so on the one hand is the they are the technical skills, what the employers has. Okay, high-level programming, high-level language programming, and so on. But for me, the important thing is that they understand how a machine is working. The, the automation stuff itself, because the other one, with which software, with, with which programming language we will program the machine, so we, as a vendor, should support. <laughs> and we are working on that. We are working on it with Semantic AX, to, to support structured text, okay. programming. So we can do this, but the employer has knowledge about machines, how the machine is working. And for me, that the other thing, you can learn everything. You can learn every language to program. Yes. But the other thing is how a machine is working. That for me is so important. So let me ask you maybe a difficult question based on that. Yeah. Do you see the transition for those who are working in, let's say, IPOC spaces and understand both, be more better position coming from the manufacturing floor, someone who understands the machine and then learns, let's say, a programming language? Or do you see us bringing in, as I said, maybe computer science majors, software engineers, and then teaching them the machine aspect? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for me, I'm starting at the machine. So yes. And later on, I, I'm, I'm learning how to program a machine. For me, it was a good decision to do this. I always think about my history, how a machine is working if I'm discussing about topics in, in, in my area. So what is the need of the customer? What is the need to implement or develop a machine? So th th that, for me, was a good way to Fair do enough. this. Yeah. Fair enough. Interesting. So I think that all of this has been a really exciting conversation so far. 
Vern, we always like to ask if we can get some sneak peeks, right? So we know Siemens is gonna, I guess we just came out of Hanover about a month ago. We are here at Automate. Siemens is doing a bunch of really interesting things. Yeah. Is there anything that you can share the direction that Siemens thinks that the industry is going? No. I know that we're talking a lot about process simulation. I know yeah. we're talking a lot about EVs. I know the virtual PLC just came out. Are you guys as Siemens kind of on the strategy development side, do you think it's going to continue down that path? Yeah, so in the past, we really, yeah, past one year ago, we released Simatic X. It was yes. the first step of IT OT convergence okay. at engineering. So now we released the VPLC, virtual PLC, that's more on the runtime side also, yep. a convergence of IT and OT bring the OT PLC into IT world into Edge. So, yep. And now we have on both sides, on engineer and runtime side, an IT OT convergence. Yep. But you, you don't lose the existing world. You could program the virtual PLC with tier photo as it is, but you can extend it with the Medic X. So that's what I mentioned before. Yep. We will do step by step and each tier should fit in. Into each other. And that's also the next step to come more and more into IT, okay. IT stuff. So to, to be more open. So we have an open industrial edge ecosystem where the virtual PC is, is living, is running. So it's open to, to use different apps very close to the virtual PLC mm-hmm. and communicate together. It's very easy to do this because right now, if you have on hardware PLC, you need just another device, another EPC, a semantic IPC yep. for, for edge connection. So and now everything is in one device. So you save some compute load. You bring yep. everything in one thing together to be open. And I guess this openness is a way what we will follow or what was my intention that yep. we should follow, be more open. I will make a comment, Bern, if I may, and I'm not sure if you've spoken to a gentleman by the name of Matt Paulison. He spoke to us a couple of episodes ago. Okay. Uh, he works for a distributor that has standardized on Siemens products, and he truly understands the value of, I want to say, software best practices to be a better the PLC, HMI, SCADA developer. And so I think that we had a really good conversation with Matt and can truly embrace this efficient engineering aspects of making really good decisions based on some previous software practices now being brought into the automation space. And I think that if you're listening to us today and if you want to have a very technical listen to a conversation with Matt, he was really good. He walked us through how they approach automation and like I said, bringing in some of those like EIC pipelines, how yep. to really deploy, how to maybe leverage edge tools properly. There was a really good conversation a couple of weeks ago, but I certainly agree with you. I think that's where the industry is going. I think that just like with everything else, it's important, as you said, to recognize that some people may want to still program in the traditional sense, and some of them understand what power there is in maybe the tools that we're releasing to them, and they'll be able to take advantage of that, obviously become more efficient, bring more value at the end of the day to the end customer and the business. I definitely appreciate that.
I do want to take a brief moment and again, thank Siemens for having us here at Automate. We are talking all about efficient engineering. We'll go ahead and drop links in the description below where we talk about what Siemens is doing on the efficient engineering standpoint. And if you're excited about what Burned is talking about and you guys have been excited about the last four episodes, you will certainly want to go ahead and check that out in the link in the description and, and in the show notes and all of those things. But no, Burn, I think that this is super exciting. I have, I've enjoyed this very much. I know that we've talked a, a lot about kind of future-looking things, future-looking opportunities. I guess from your perspective, what is the future of automation and manufacturing? Huh, the future. Yes. So, an easy question. An easy question. <laughs> and an easy answer is, for me, is autonomous factory. That, okay. That's for me... One thing, what, what is my dream? That, yes. that we will have products in our portfolio of Siemens that support the autonomous factory. Okay. Because for me, that's the future. There's no people in, at a plant, just machines. I'm going to steal Vlad's tagline <laughs> on manufacturing in the hub and say, Bernd, I have so many questions about that. Right. I guess I, I have seen people talk about autonomous factories in the past. Have you guys seen autonomous factories be successful and be able to stay running without a lot of human interaction on the Siemens side? Yes, but for me, the first step is that the communication between machines yep. must be perfect. Okay. So across vendors, across different devices, okay. so we, have, we, we need for this a very open communication okay. platform. And that's because half of my life at Siemens, I'm working for some communication stuff. Okay. If you see it at least. And I was thinking how make this communication between machine easier. And the result is then that's useful for autonomous factories. So. I want to follow up on that a little bit, Bern. If I'm an engineer who's watching this, wasn't able to make it to automate, I would like to learn a bit more about what Siemens is releasing, is going to release. Is there a resource that you can point our listeners and viewers to, to learn about some of the products that we've discussed that are showcased here at the booth? Where should they go to learn about more? So, it, yeah, at first, I guess, the Siemens website, yep. Siemens.com is okay. the first address, what I would like to give. And on the other hand, also LinkedIn. So yep. all employers at Siemens, or many employers at Siemens, not all, and many are in, in LinkedIn and spread okay. a, 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 a lot of information about automation stuff. So that's a good address to, to get in touch with Siemens. And what about maybe like an in-person event? So I know that Dave and I have discussed a little bit SBS. Is that a, a big event for Siemens and then Hanover maybe next year? Like where do you guys typically do some of the like the big showcases when it comes to hardware and software? So for me, the SBS in Nuremberg, that, that's much interesting or more interesting yep. because there the use cases are more in detail. You can catch the products itself. Yep. So that's more interesting with the F for me as a technical from a technical perspective, that's more interesting, yeah. And SPS, to me, has been described as a very process have process automation and automation in general show. Yeah, it's in general, factory automation and process automation. Okay. All what we have in that area is, is at the booth. Very good. I do have one more question on the communication side of the autonomous factory. And I think it might also be like future asking question of, yeah. we have many different communication protocols right now. 
Do you think that we're gonna standardize on, or we will need to standardize on one communication protocol in the future? Or how do you think we will get the communication perfect to the level it needs to be to, to run an autonomous factory? Do you have a prediction for that? Yeah, my prediction is not look at just at one okay. protocol. So that's not enough because each protocol has benefits or yep. advantage or dis and disadvantage. Yep. So it's important that we have defined yeah, standardized data models yep. across different protocols. So I guess that's important okay. because, because if a robot communicates with the machine, it should, will be different that two machines will communicate to each mm -hmm. other. So they have other quality of services and so on. So I guess we, we have defined, or the industry have defined standardized data models. Okay. And that should be used with different protocols. I love that. I'm gonna take us off the rails here, Vlad. So talking about that, I guess the, the standardized data model is very of interest to me, right? Yeah. So every time I go talk about a new implementation with a client, it becomes, hey, we need to create a standard. Like the organization needs to have a standard and then we need to stick to that standard, right? Like this is, as we would say, our guidebook to everything we do is we're gonna build the standards and then we have to stick to the standards. And so, Bern, everyone comes to me and they're like, Dave, I love that idea, what is the standard? And Bern, every time I look at him and I'm like, we've got some standards, like ISA has got a couple, OPC UA Foundation has a standard, but then many people don't really follow those. Yeah, many people, I guess, many people that I talk to and work with don't follow those, and it's just an amalgamation. So, do you think, that we will at some point in the future have one of these standards bodies that helps create the standard that the majority of us are going to follow? Do you think we'll have a new standards body come in to help create the data model so that we can standardize everything in the future? What do you think that looks like? That's just a oh, that's a good question. I've thought much, <laughs> I've thought much about this question. Yeah, so right now, Mostly it's come from the industries itself. Yep. They built some, I, I lost the word, so, so some consortiums to discuss how the data model should look like just for a specific industry or for a specific machine for PacML. That's, yep. So, yep. and the question is how we can bring all these stuff together. So yep. that's a, a good question and normally it should come more from the end customer yep. and from the industry. They have to push it because they have the, the need of this. Agreed. Agreed. If I can follow up maybe with a lighter question, Bern, I would like to get some career advice. And I'm going to refine this a little bit. If someone is in their early career, an engineer maybe on the OT side, who understands control systems fairly well, knows how to program PLCs, HMIs, and maybe understands machinery to some extent, yeah. and is looking around even at Automate, and is realizing there's a lot more technologies coming out to begin to bridge that gap, and they're trying to figure out maybe how do I fit into that equation, because I would say that you can make an entire career out of AI. You can yeah. make an entire career out of like data acquisition. Yeah. What would be maybe your recommendation of someone like that should be focusing on, like specialized, let's say in one of those topics and become like really a specialist versus maybe a generalist, generalist right? Like I'm yeah. curious like what your perspective is on what would be a good focus for someone's early career on the OT side to maybe learn to supplement their skills and be ready for the like three to five years yeah. position. So for me, 
data is important for the future. And if you have experience in the machine itself, in automation stuff, I guess for me it would be the next step. Look more into data. Look more into IT edge yep. and understand how could you use data to earn money. Eka. So I guess that, that's an advice for some. They are looking, they have experience in automation and that could be a next step for these guys. Other like technologies that people should be learning, even as networking is becoming very important, right? A lot right. of factories need to figure out the solutions again. I want to like contextualizing that data is like really any 5G is important, yeah. I guess. That's right. IT technologies are very important. And yeah. Good. Awesome. Now, this has been fantastic, Bern. Thank you so much. Last question for you is who should reach out? Who would you like to talk to? Is it end users? Is it other technologists? Your open forum to talk to our listeners and to, to allow them to help you with the things that you're trying to do. Okay, thanks. Okay, so for me, always to talk with customers, yes. it's important to understand their needs. Yes. And to improve our products, always to be, yeah. Absolutely, and so, yeah. Burned, I know you're on LinkedIn. We will make sure that you're LinkedIn. And then if you would like us to put your Siemens email up, we, we don't have to commit you to it live right here. If you'd like you to put your Siemens email up, we'll, I will have the LinkedIn, we'll have the link to the Siemens information. And if people wanna connect with you more personally, they can go ahead and send messages to us and we can go ahead and get those to you. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for this, Burn. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. This has been Manufacturing Hub, live from Automate 2023 in the Siemens booth. Thank you, and we'll see everyone soon. Bye-bye.